Okay, okay, that's good. Hold on, hold on. Ow! Felix? Felix? Do you just need to reschedule? No, no. Everything's perfect. Everything's great. Yeah. Church face. Church face. Hello, Hamilton Mill. How are you doing today? Y'all good? I want to tell you, it is really hard preaching this morning because it is, well, this afternoon, it is beautiful, drop-dead gorgeous outside right now. I just got a little breather out there. Is it not beautiful today? Oh, my goodness. So we especially thank you for coming in the building when you could be out there, and that's where I'm going to be after this. But, hey, I'm just so glad to be with you guys this afternoon, and, um, and I'm excited for the word I have to share. But before I do bring the word, I just want to honor a couple people. First off, Pastor Randy and Pastor Sherry Cochran. Can we give it up for our pastors? Love me some Cochrans. Great people, great people, great pastors, great leaders. And I got to tell you, if you don't know a little bit of the rivalry, um, uh, it takes a lot for a Georgia boy to trust a Bama boy with the word of God. So don't hold it against me. I love you. You love me. We have to, right? And uh, so I'm super blessed to be here, honored to be his designated hitter for this morning as we look in the word. And I have, have to, have to honor my bride because this coming weekend, we're celebrating 25 years married. God still performs miracles. And that's on me, <laughs> for sure. So we're super excited. Um, they were saying it earlier, Pastor Chad was, um, I'm honored that I get to serve with the youth and young adults at all the campuses and all our amazing leaders that minister to our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, and our college students and young adults. This amazing group of people here and all across all campuses. And I just want to tell you this, Victory. You already know it, but I want to brag on God about Victory. Victory is a special place for so many reasons. But we have a church that truly loves and believes in and invests into the next generation from our youngest of babies all the way to our adults. Come on, can we thank the Lord for the next generation? I love being in a church that loves young people, that loves babies, that loves children and sees greatness in them. And, and Pastor Randy says this a lot and I so believe it. There is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. Hello. Hello. They have the same Holy Spirit. And so I am super blessed and honored uh, to bring you the word this morning. And I do want to say this, uh, maybe for those who are watching and for those in the room, if you are a parent of a middle schooler or high schooler, uh, you don't want to miss tonight. There may be a few spots still available to register. It's our big parent night tonight. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have dinner. We're going to have a great time together. And then we're going to simulcast, simulcast over at Norcross. And Pastor Dennis is going to bring us a, a word to parents, because if you're a Parents, parents need encouragement. Hello, parents, for sure. We need some encouragement, for sure. So that's going to be a great time tonight. If you can't make it, you can watch it on our YouTube channel. Hey, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we get ready to dive into the Word. Father, we thank you so much for this time, and I thank you for the people in this room today. And I thank you, Lord, Holy Spirit, one more time, I need your fresh anointing to bring your word to your people. Thank you, Lord, for each and every person here. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts. We don't want to just hear it, God. We want it to go in deep. Somebody say deep. We want it to go in deep in our heart and take root. 
So we thank you, Father, for what you're going to do in this time together as we look in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, I may have you talk back to me if that's okay just a little bit. If you can't have fun in church, you can't have fun anywhere for sure. So uh, we're going to go there together. We're in this series called Church Face. Somebody say Church Face. Church Face. Ooh, I like it. Church Face. And, you know, if, when you think about it, we're, we're all, it's, it's been, so, I'll say this first, this series, and we're only in part three today, it's a six-week series, it's been so good to hear such honest, raw, uh, anointed truth coming from our pastors. If you missed last week's message with Pastor Johnson, I can't encourage you enough to go and watch that message. And I should have known, I should have known it was going to be a doozy because when we were walking into the 1 p.m. here last week, uh, literally a couple of people was like, hey, you might want to get a little tissues ready. And I'm like, oh boy, they're going to go there. And boy, did he. And so again, Pastor Randy, even going back two weeks, bringing a great teaching in this message series about church face. Church face, we're all guilty of it at times. I, I know I am of putting on this mask, putting up this front, uh, acting like we got it all together, when really deep inside we don't, we're actually hurting, we're struggling, we're in that, that place where you just kind of put up a mask and you might even speak a little churchy, Christianese language, might just say some, you know, it sounds right to say this, and, uh, you know, we've all heard it. You know, how you doing, man? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And you are blessed. Thank God we're blessed. But a lot of times we put up this mask and we act like, somebody say act. We act like we're, we, we, we're okay. We're good. We're, man, we're doing great. But deep inside, we are hurting. We're struggling. Maybe even we're, we're drowning. Barely got enough air just in life. And, and here's what we're just kind of looking at is that God is calling us to be honest with ourselves aware where things are honest with other people, on, honest with him. And, and I want to just, I want to ask you something. Can I get your permission on something? If I can get your permission on something, would you just say yes real quick? Come on, let me hear from you. All right. Can, I, and now I want you to, because I know you're a little nervous. What is he about to do? Now I want you to say yes with some oomph in there. One, two, three, say yes. There you go. Now that I got your permission, I want to say this to you. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to build a voice to people when they ask you, how are you doing? When you're at coffee with a brother and some brothers together, or you're in a small group setting, or you're just on the phone and you're talking about life, and they're like, hey, how are you doing? Most of the time, immediately, church face comes on, and we answer this, I'm doing great, man doing great. And we're not really honest in those times that we could be just raw and honest and say, you know what? I'm not doing okay. I'm, I'm actually hurting. I'm struggling. And I'm telling you, when I have been able to do that with brothers specifically, it has been amazing to me how the whole conversation changes and we're able to really go there as brothers. And I've seen the same with my wife or us with friends and you know, because we all get the how you doing question. You know, you walk, you could be at work and, hey man, how you doing? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. You know, uh, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I had a, a person one time that was really close to me 
And I knew he was going through a, a kind of a tough time. And we were at church and, and I just saw him for a moment. We were in a big church like Victory. And I was like, man, how you doing? And I didn't even think about it because we just say that all the time in passing, you know. And like, how you doing? And he's like, man, I'm really hurt. Man, that's good, brother. That's good. God bless you. know. And, I, and it like when I walked away, I realized like, oh, wait a minute. He said, I'm hurting. And I'm, it's just so easy to put on the church face. Somebody say church face. But I'm telling you, we got to be able to tell people when we're going through tough stuff, we take off the mask and actually we don't put it back on and we let people know, hey, you know what? I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, because I'm telling you, this whole fake it till you make it, listen, it's, it's exhausting. It's, it's, it doesn't work. You, eventually, whatever's in, it's going to come out. And so when we're honest with each other, when we're honest with God, that's the first step to healing, church. Hello. That's the first step to getting healed is when you're honest about real, where you're really at. Look, I, I've lied to my wife before at times when I was, I want her to know in our early years of marriage uh, that literally, uh, you know, everything, I'm, I'm okay, I can handle this. And I was lying to her face and, and she knew it because you can't get away with it, guys. I'm just telling you, when you get married, they could just, women have like a superpower. I mean, moms have it and then the, the wives get it. So ladies, you're just blessed. I don't know what it is about you. But, but she would read my mail and she's like, no, you're not doing good at all. Oh yeah, I am. No, you're not. And I'm just telling you, we just got to rip off the mask. And I will tell you this, it's liberating to take off the mask. It's liberating to be honest with friends, trusted friends, and most importantly with God, because the other way is just exhausting. Look right here on the screen. The church face mask, the facade, it's just so exhausting. Say the word exhausting like you're exhausted. Exhausting. It's just so exhausting to put up this front. Ladies, you just, we just put up a front. Guys, we put up this mask. like the, We got it all together, and we, we can't let people see the bullet holes, spiritually speaking, or, or the wounds. But I'm telling you, we actually need each other to be able to go honest. And honestly, it's not the will of God for us to be wearing a church mask. Somebody say church face. Today, I want us to dive a little deeper, part three. And I really want to talk about today, just a slight turn, I want to talk about who we are on the inside. Can you say inside with me? Inside. Who we are on the inside. Who are we? More than anything else, who are we? Well, I'm going to say the answer that you probably already know. We were singing about it earlier. Jeremy, your team, man, y'all knocked it out of the park today. So anointed. Um, we are children of the king. Who are we? We are sons and daughters of the most high. Who are we? We are children of God. I am a child of God. When you and I ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, we immediately are adopted into the family of God. We're sons and daughters of the King. Look right here on the screen, this scripture from John chapter one. He says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. Say reborn with me. Reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God, from God. And I think most of people today watching this video or you today in the room, I would say this to us. 
Most of us, we know this right here. Yeah, I'm, I'm a child of God. I, I, I get it. I'm, I'm a child of God. But I think the problem, listen to me, I think the problem for a lot of us, and it was for me for years, is I knew I was a child of God right here. I just didn't know it in here. And I definitely didn't live it out there. I had the head knowledge, I'm a child of God. Yeah, I, I was blessed to grow up in the, in the church. I was ble- I'm, a, I'm a church boy. And, um, and so I heard that from a kid. You're a child of God. I made little stuff. I'm a child of God. I grew up hearing that, but it never sank deep into my heart until my late 20s, realizing who I am and whose I am. Let me, let me say it like this way. We are so guilty. We are so guilty of hanging our identity and our worth and our value on what we do instead of who we are. Come on, are you with me, Hamilton Mill, one o'clock? You should be so awake, all right? Nine o'clock was a little sleepy, but they got it. Wake up with me, all right? Some of you probably already had your second cup of coffee. I haven't had one yet. I've all been drinking this tea all morning. Um, so let me just tell you, like, Think about this. We, we find our identity. Here's the problem. We place our identity on what we do instead of who we are. It's just so easy. Your career, the stuff, your possessions, being a parent, being, being married. We can quickly hang our identity, our worth, even our approval on what we do instead of who we are and whose we are. Let me put it to you like this. So I've already told you I'm married. I'm also a father of three, a 20-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 14-year-old. And and I love being a dad. And I love being a pastor. I've been in the ministry for 25 years also. But here's the deal. I'm a son first. Then I'm a husband then I'm a father, and then I'm a pastor. And in that order, if I try to lead from being a pastor, or if I try to be a lead from being a father, but I'm not completely knowing who I am as a son, I'll never do anything the right way. It will always be backwards. You and I are sons and daughters first and foremost. It starts and ends with our identity and who we are. I don't know what you do for a living, but that's what you do. It's not who you are. Tell who you are is a son or a daughter of the king. But we get it all messed up between our head and our heart. And we find value because people say, hey, you do a good job. Or you start making some money. Or you get successful. And those things, if, if you're not solid in who you are, those things start messing with you. And you start looking for those things to bring you value value when God is saying, I already validate you. You're already worth it because you're my boy. You're my daughter. So praise God for the things we get to do. I love being married. We're going to celebrate next weekend, y'all. We're going up to the North Carolina mountains. And I'm taking the phone away out of her hand. And... um, and we, we're going to remove the laptops 
and we've got a beautiful little mountain house just for us. We don't want to see people. I love you, but I don't want to see people. We just want to see like maybe a little bear and Bambi and, you know, and, and just be together and have fun and just celebrate 25 years. I love being married, but I can't be a good husband if it's not coming from a place of being a son of the Lord. I can't be a good father. I can't be a good pastor if I'm trying to get value in all these things. Stuff, possessions, if you're blessed with stuff, praise God. But can I tell you what? That doesn't determine who you are. Or how about this? The lack thereof. I remember when we first got married, we had nothing but a couch. <laughs> That's all we had. People are like, we got to give these people some furniture, you know? And we got blessed. And, I mean, you know, we were just starting out. But whether you have a bunch or you have just a little, that doesn't define who you are. There's only one man that defines you, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I live from that place. I try my best. It, sometimes it wants to jump back on me. But I try my best to live from a place of sonship and minister and lead that way, starting with my wife, kids, and ministry. Amen? We want our outside to line up with who God says we are on the inside. Come on, say inside. That's right. Everything that God has, everything. The moment we asked Jesus to become our Lord and Savior, we had immediate access to our Father. Everything that he has is ours. Simply because we're his kids. That's mind-blowing to me. Everything, literally, at his breath when he would speak it, it's mine simply because I'm his son. It blows my mind. I want to give you a scripture that blew me away this week and pray it will speak to you right here on the screens. Romans chapter eight, verses 15 and 16 out of the passion translation. Come on, passion translation. Look right, it says right here. And you did not receive, oh my goodness, look at this, the spirit of religious duty. You did not receive that. Jesus, let me just pause for a second. Jesus did not die so you would be religious. He died to have a relationship with you. Oh, I see that baby. Oh my gosh, my heart just broke. Just seeing that beautiful baby. Sorry, I'm gonna talk about babies in just a second. Now you guys really got my heart going. Um, anyway, didn't mean to embarrass you. Uh, but where, where am I at? <laughs> religious duty, thank you, Lord. Leading you back into a fear of never being good enough. I wonder if anybody struggles with that sometime. Never hit the mark. We'll never have a good marriage. We'll, we'll never have a great life, whatever that means. Never be good enough. I'll never meet up to what my dad said or my mom said. Never. We get under that. We get caught under all that. That's not God. But look at this. But, somebody say but. I love it. It just continues that thought. Says, but, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And look at this. Somebody needs to hear this and you will never, somebody say never. You will never feel orphaned. You will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join in him saying words of tender affection, beloved father. If we were to drill down that word, what does it really mean? Beloved daddy. Papa. That's how intimate he wants to be with his kids. But look at this last sentence. For the Holy Spirit makes, God, makes God's fatherhood real. Somebody say real. 
to us as he whispers. And look, by the way, where's he whispering? Is he in our ears? No, he's whispering deep into your soul. As he whispers into your innermost being, you are my child. Do you know why it says that? This is me reading into it, but I know it's true. Do you know why it says he whispers into our innermost being? Because he knows things can get caught up and stuck right here. And he needs to whisper to your heart, the person you are inside. He needs to whisper inside your soul and say, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. You are my girl. You are my boy. You are my beloved. He whispers to our soul. And we live from that place. And we work from that place. And we love from that place of being a son or daughter of God. Amen? God makes it real to us. And and let me just, I gotta say this. This is not on the notes, but I just feel like I need to say it every service. And I was like, Lord, do I say it again? And I just got the check on it. So let me just say this. That verse said he makes God's fatherhood real. And and I wanna say this. If if you're here or you're watching us today and maybe you had a dad that wasn't there or your dad was there, but he wasn't there, if you know what I mean. Or maybe you were blessed with a great dad. I'm afraid that all of us, we look at God the Father through the filter of our earthly dad. But the, the scripture just said right there that the Holy Spirit will make the fatherhood of God real to you. See, the Holy Spirit wants you to see whether you had a great dad or not so great dad. We forgive, we bless, we let that go. But God, the Holy Spirit wants you to see the perfect dad, the perfect father who will always be there for you, who will never leave you, who, will all, who is always whispering to your soul, you're my son, you're my daughter. And I don't know about you, I am so thankful for my faithful father. Even when we are faithless, come on church, even when we are faithless, he is so faithful. That's the God we serve. Because we're his kids. We're his kids. Now, I asked your permission, so I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna turn around here real quick and, and tell you just a quick personal story. Um, I grew up in a super loving family. I'm the oldest of four boys, my poor mother, <laughs> and, um, and really five boys if you count my dad, and very loving family, but we, for whatever reason, never said three powerful words that I ever remember growing up. No one ever said, I love you. It was just not said. It was kind of known, but no one ever said it. Again, I felt the love from my parents, and I want to tell you, uh, we are super tight these days, and we have made up for lost time. We say, I love you all the time now, but I mean, it's like, no matter what, I love you. You know, it's like we're making up for lost time, but growing up, that affected me, as you can guess. It would affect anybody, and so going into my late teenage years and my early young adult years, boy, I was always trying to prove myself. I was always going the extra mile for, for the pat on the back. I was, I was needing the approval of men. I wanted someone to see all the hard work I was doing. Um, and and I, know it wasn't, I know it's not right now, but at the time I was blind to it. And I mean, I just, I was working myself to the bone. We saw success. We saw in ministry, we saw great God things in his mercy. He, he showed up and showed out. But in the midst of all that, I started burning out. 
And I'm telling you, like, I started taking more and more off days to get a little extra rest and then jump back in it. I was working from a place of exhaustion. You ever just worked from a place of exhaustion and you're like, you take a break and then you're more tired. I mean, I, that's what I was feeling, but it was all wrong inside, guys. It was all wrong inside. I was doing it from a wrong place. God wants you to be blessed and successful and, and prosperous and accomplish great things, but I was doing those things to get something that I already had in my father. I was looking for man to recognize something that God was already saying, son, you got everything you need from me. And I want to tell you when it all changed for me. At 28 years old, my wife walks into the bedroom one day and says, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, oh, you know, and, and like any parent, first parent, we were going crazy celebrating and and like just having a blast. We were doing a little dance in the bedroom, you know. We're pregnant, we're pregnant. I mean, just, it was awesome. And if you experienced, any got any parents in the room? Hello, parents, grandparents, come on. You, do you remember when the first one, you know, the one that a lot of times we think of as like experiment X because we didn't know what we were doing, you know? It's just like, you just don't know, but you never, you never let people know. The church face, you know, you walk in the church and you were up all night with that first baby. Remember? Uh, somebody's like, I don't want to remember. But, but you know, and, you're, and any noise they make, you're like, oh, are they okay? Are they breathing? You know, all this kind of stuff. And, and literally, you walk in the church, church face on, and you're like, hey, how's it going? How's the baby? And you're like, it's great. It's awesome. Church face mask off. I'm, help me. You know, I'm dying, you know. Somebody pray for me. Church face on. We're great. I mean, the best. You know? Well, Lisa, you know, we, nine months, you know the journey if you're a parent or you know of it. Uh, and those nine months were crazy. All the cravings, all the crying, all the craziness. I'm just talking about me. I'm not even talking about her. I won't even go there. I mean, it was a crazy nine months. But then the day came, July 10th, 2000. My 20-year-old, Allison Joy, comes into the world. And she had me wrapped the moment she went, Wah! you know, I was wrapped big time. And it was incredible. And little did I know that God was using the birth of my baby to get to my heart. And uh, this, these were the days uh, that you stayed in the hospital forever, you know, with a baby being born. So three and a half days in the hospital, I'm just there when they would bring her in or when we begged them to let her stay in the room, we just stared at her. I'm holding her and I'm whispering all these things over her. And you know this, if you're a parent, and one day when you will be, you're gonna know all this. The moment you meet them in live, you would die for them in that moment. Like, I'll, I would die for you. In the moment, bam, right there. Soon time, first time I met her, I would die for you right now. Every, I mean, I remember just telling her, whisper, everything I have is yours. I wanna see you grow. I wanna see you go past your dad, everything. And guess what? Why I'm saying all these things over that process, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, saying the very same things. I gave up my son for you. You don't have to do anything more, son. And over that three-week period, we went home. We were there for a little while off work, and we'd go every night just staring at her, and I'm holding her, and she's falling asleep on my chest. And literally, 
the Lord began breaking me of this slave servant mentality of do, do, do to get some approval that I already had just by being simply a son. And he, he just, I mean, I literally felt like, I said this in second service, I felt like something just dropped off me over a period of three weeks. I felt lighter. I felt like, and I'm, can I tell you what? It's still a process. Everything, freedom is a process. Hello. But, but I'm telling you, I will never forget July 10th, not only because my daughter was born, but because that was the beginning of Jesus setting me free from being a slave and tied to being a servant of doing things to get his pleasure when actually he takes great pleasure in me simply because I'm his boy. Amen? And that's, that's what God wants to do in us. So I wanna give, give you three things real quick. Y'all still with me? I wanna give you three things. If you're taking notes, there's some good stuff. Put it on your phone, write it down, whatever. Good stuff. Uh, three things, if I truly believed, here we go. If I truly believed that being a child of God was enough, what would my life really look like? What would the outside look like if I really believed on the inside that I'm a child of God? Not here in my head, if I really believed it in my heart, what would my life look like? Number one, my striving would cease. Hello, my striving would cease. Somebody say striving. Striving, you know what that is? It's like making every effort to obtain something. I gotta, I'm gonna do everything I can. I gotta get this. I, 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 I gotta get it. You're just striving, striving, striving. You're, you're working yourself to the bone to, to, to be successful so you're noticed by your boss or you're, you're doing all, you're striving. And it's not the will of our father for his kids to be striving. And, and the, the, the struggle of all that, just striving and, and, and proving, hello, proving, trying to prove yourself to who? Who are we trying to, let's ask that question for a second. Who are we really trying to prove ourselves to? Because we already have full acceptance and approval from our heavenly father. I don't need to prove and you don't need to prove yourself to anyone. You've got everything you need from your father. I don't have to strive. I don't have to prove. Here's, here's what we can do. We can walk in complete peace, complete contentment, complete rest, just by being a child of God and knowing it inside, knowing in my knower. And can, we gotta recognize and understand this. You don't have to work from a place of exhaustion. Listen to me, Hamilton Mill. You can actually work from a place of rest. You're not tolling and striving and stressing and full of anxiety and all these things to get all this stuff. You actually are working and living from a place of rest inside, in your spirit. And there's no striving and there's complete contentment that you can be the best you that you can be before God. Amen? So here's, here's a scripture, Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says this. One hand is full, one hand full of rest is better than two fists full of labor and striving after wind. I want you to think about this picture. I'm a picture person. Look up here for a second. You know, you think of one hand. I can do so much more with two hands. If I had my hand tied behind my back, it's hard to do some things. But God is saying through, the, uh, through Solomon, the author, he's saying one hand full of rest is better than two fists full of labor and striving 
after when, after meaninglessness. I feel like a lot of people are like this inside. Our insides are so tight, so much anxiety, and we're stressing over things that God's like, I don't want you to stress over that. Trust me. And I'm telling you, like, letting, just letting go. That's what I think. This is a picture. I'm a picture person. I feel like just letting go. I'm just going to be a son. I'm, I'm, you know, speaking for the ladies, I'm just going to be a daughter. I'm going to trust God with this. I can't fix it. I can't. I can't. How about this? Church, somebody needs to hear this. You can't fix yourself. You can't fix your marriage. You can't fix your family. We need God. If we could fix ourselves, we wouldn't need a Savior. We need a Savior, and we need our Lord. So I'm going to focus on me just being a son and finding my identity in him, my worth and my value and my approval, and letting everything else flow from that. Amen? So number one, if I truly believed being a child of God was enough, what would my life look like? Number one, my striving would what? It would cease. Number two, if you're taking notes, if I truly believed that being a child of God was enough, what would my life look like? This is a biggie, and I've only got a few minutes to dissect it. I would be free from the fear of man. Fear of man. There's probably not people in the room that would think, I'm not afraid of people. But when you're living, let me say this like this way, when you're working for a place of approval instead of living from approval, then you've got fear of man going on because at the core of fear of man is our desire to be approved. It's our desire for approval. It's, let me just call it what it is. It's called man-pleasing, people-pleasing. It, it's like this. If I make this decision, what would they think? Uh, if I make this decision, what, what would they think? If I do that, and you're always worried about what people think, really, it actually trumps what God says or what God thinks. And you start comparing and this and that, and uh, you, you get stuck. See, that's the thing about fear of man. Fear of man is a trap, and it holds you in place from moving forward. It, it, you, you get paralyzed because what if, I'm, what if I make the wrong? You get caught up in a bunch of what ifs. Anybody ever been there before? I have. What, what if this? If I make this decision, what, what about that? And what will they think? Can I tell you what? In the end, in the end, it doesn't matter what people think. What did God say? Obey that. Obey God. I remember we took a position and I don't want to bore you with the details, but I was at a pretty high position at a college and we were running a major part of this college and we were seeing success and great things. And a pastor friend of mine called me and said, hey, um, I heard that you're coming to a place of transition. Would you pray about coming to our church and being our youth pastor? And when I got on the phone, I almost laughed. Maybe I did. I don't know. I can't remember. But I'm like, I'm not going to go back and be a youth pastor. I'm I'm, I'm running a college department. I need to be this. And we even had friends tell us, like, hey, you don't need to go backwards. You need to go forwards. But guess what God told us what to do? He said, I want you to be a youth pastor. I'm not done with you with young people. And after I surrendered my pride in that moment, can I tell you what? We look back on those years at that beautiful church we saw the most incredible things. I would have never seen all the gloriness of God in all these beautiful young people if I had just said, oh no, I, I, well, I gotta do this. I gotta keep climbing the ladder. I need to follow what all these people are saying. 
And I'm telling you what, God has not called you to be a man pleaser. You're a God pleaser. You're here to please the Lord first and foremost, above anything or anyone else. We live, let me say it to you this way, we live our lives for the audience of one. For one. What did he say? I'm doing that. Whether people like it or not. And we've got to get ourselves free from looking for the praise of man. I remember I was that little boy at the baseball thing looking back. Is my dad watching? I was that kid. And I noticed when he wasn't. And I noticed when he did. We're always looking for approval or looking for praise. And church, let me just tell you something real quick. We should be good at praising people. The Bible actually tells us to be encouraging, to be kind. We should be liberal with our encouragement and kindness. But you don't need, if you're banking your life on what man says more than what God says, something is wrong. No fear of man. You don't need validation of man. You already got validation from the king of kings. That's the most important thing of all. It's huge. Look at this right here on the screen. Proverbs 29, 25 says this. Fear and intimidation is a trap. Somebody say trap. You hunters know what a trap is. You got it. They're done. It's a trap. You can't move forward. You're stuck. It's a trap. Fear and intimidation is a trap that holds you back. But when you place your confidence, or that word there is trust in the Lord, you will be seated in the high place. Come on. When you place your confidence and your trust in the Lord, not in man, he promotes you. He brings you up. He takes care of you. God, man's not the one who promotes you anyway. God is the one who promotes you. And God's the one who will take care of you. Find your worth. Find your validation in just being a son or a daughter of the king. So number one, we said my striving would what? Cease. Number two, we said we'd be free from what? Fear of man. Number three, and finally, if I truly believed that being a child of God was enough, what would my life look like? Condemnation would be crushed. Oh, man. I could park on this one for a while, but I'll just give you some tidbits of information. I'll just sum it up like this. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are a follower of Christ, a son and daughter of the king, that condemnation and that shame and those lies and the guilt that comes to bring you down, that is not a part of your life. But we have so many Christians, listen to me, last few minutes, lean in, so many Christ followers that walk around beating themselves up for past mistakes. Have you ever, have you ever had this happen to you for? And this is just for, I guess this is for this crowd because I didn't say it the last two services. You ever been just going about your life and all of a sudden a really bad memory of way in your past pops right in your face and it's all real? Anybody experience that for me or is something wrong with Chris? I don't know, maybe. All right, Megan, you and I are there. All right. Can I tell you what? That did not come from heaven. And in that moment when it happens, you know you've already been forgiven. It's gone. But you see the images in your mind of the mis big mistake you made or the failure or whatever else. And in that moment, we have to make a decision. Am I going to let guilt and condemnation jump back on me? Or am I, am I going to stand on who I really am in Christ? And that is not who I am anymore. And I, this right, I'm taking this thought captive. I'm not going to let this sink into my heart. 
That is not who I am. God's already forgiven me. He's redeemed me. I'm not going back there. I'm walking forward with God. I'm telling you, the enemy, he is scared to death. Listen to me, last few minutes. He is scared to death of you truly realizing here who you are in God. Who you are and who's your. He is scared to death. So he's going to bring condemnation. I'm going to jump down here real quick if I can. He's going to try to get you down. He's going to bring you down to condemnation because he's a snake. That's all he is. He's a liar. That's all he does is lie all day long. The enemy, there is no truth in him at all. He's a liar. So he wants to get you down with him. I'm going to throw guilt, condemnation for their mistakes. And let me just say this to somebody right here or people that are watching. Let me just say this. you got to hear this. When you, still, when you make a mistake today, and we all will, when you fail at something, if you're stuck in an addiction, can I tell you, even in your darkness and your sin, you are still a child of God. Even when you mess up, you're still a child of God. And when we, when we come to the understanding that we're truly a child of God, when we're in our sin, we're like, I'm not doing that anymore. That's not who I am. That's not me. And so I want to encourage you. See if I can do this. Woo! Um, I'm going to be feeling that maybe later on. <laughs> that condemnation, when you know who you are and you believe it and you live it from your heart, it's crushed. It's crushed. And what does God do? He brings you up out of that and says, son, daughter, that ain't me. That stuff trying to bring you down, that ain't me. Now, there's, there's conviction when we sin. There's godly sorrow. When I mess up, there's godly sorrow. When I repent before him, God, forgive me for doing this. I lost my temper with my kids. Father, please forgive me. But I'm not beating myself up to a pulp that I just lower myself. That's not God. God always builds up even when he has to discipline us. He always is building us up, edifying us, calling us up. See, God wants to call you up for your rightful inheritance, which is healing, freedom, worth, validation, and victory. All those things and more are what God calls us up into his arms. Amen? Amen. In closing, I want to say this. You guys still with me? All right, all right. 1 p.m. service. Here's the deal. Let's say this just in our final time together as we pray. We're not saying that we haven't sinned when I say there's no condemnation. We've sinned. We've all sinned. Anybody made some mistakes in the last couple of weeks? Hello, I have. All right, three of us, good, good. Um, so, you know, we've all failed. And because we just live in this world and we ain't in heaven yet, I know that's bad grammar, but because we're not there yet, we're gonna, we're gonna fail at times. We're gonna mess up. We're gonna screw up but we have God right there to pick us back up again. But we've all fallen short. But here's what we have to recognize and understand. And we're gonna throw it on the screen right here. I'm a sinner saved by grace who's been miraculously transformed into a child of God. I want you to think about it. I wanna say it again. I'm a sinner that's been saved by grace, Jesus who's been miraculously transformed into a child of God. He's changed me. He's changed you. If you were up here, you could talk about, you know you're not the old you that you used to be. You think differently, you walk differently, you live differently. You can't go back to that old. It's just not appealing anymore. All we wanna do is please our Father. And even when we mess up in sin, we fall on our face before God. Father, forgive me. I've messed up. 
God picks us back up again, dusts us off, and sets us forward. And he says, you're my son. I know you messed up. I love you. I hate that you went through that. But I'm going to heal you up. I'm going to send you on. You're my boy. You're my daughter. You're my child. We got to recognize that. And that's why, church, hell is so scared of you and I understanding who we really are in God, who we are and whose we are. I want to end with this quote from Martin Luther. And maybe in this room right now, in this moment, you can just hear this and you can close your eyes. Or if, you, if you're like me, you got to read it. You can look on the screen. Listen to this conversation. It's a quote from Martin Luther with a believer and the devil talking to him. Listen to this. When the devil accuses us and says, you are a sinner and therefore damned, we should answer, because you say I'm a sinner, I will be righteous and saved. No, says the devil, you will be damned. And I reply, no, for I fly to Christ who gave himself for my sins. Satan, you will not prevail against me when you try to terrify me by setting forth the greatness of my sins and try to bring me to a place of heaviness, distrust, despair, hatred, contempt, and even blasphemy against God. Oh, contraire, on the contrary, when you say I'm a sinner, you give me armor and weapons against yourself so that with your own sword, I may cut your throat and tread you under my feet. For Christ died for sinners. As often as you object that I'm a sinner, so often you remind me of the benefit of Christ my Redeemer on whose shoulders, not mine, on whose shoulders lie all my sins. Last sentence. So when you say I'm a sinner, you do not terrify me, but comfort me immeasurably. Church, I'm going to say it one last time as we close. I'm a sinner saved by grace who has been miraculously transformed into a child of God. He actually takes me from a sinner to be a saint. He takes me from being just a sinner and being lost to being found and transforms me on the inside. And I'm a child of God. Come on, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you. Come on, right where you're at. Just make that seat right now, your altar, and just thank him for being a faithful father. Come on, voice your gratitude to him. He's never given up on you. He never will. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, in this moment for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your, your unfailing love. Lord, we may fail you, but you will never. Your unfailing love is always there picking us back up again, God. You are so faithful. You're full of faithfulness, God. We thank you, Lord. When we're faithless, you are faithful. And Father, right now, and in this moment right now, and listen to me, church, with your eyes closed, just focus on your heart with Jesus. Maybe you're here in the room today and you struggle with striving like I did, proving yourself. Maybe you struggle with fear of man looking for approval in all the wrong places. Maybe you're here and you beat yourself up quite a bit over past mistakes and even maybe present mistakes. You just, I mean, you just live in condemnation. 
I'm not asking for you to raise your hand to any of those. I'm saying right now in this moment can be the beginning of a new day that the Lord God can literally deliver you and give you a greater revelation of who he is, who you are and whose you are. And so I want to pray over all of us, myself included. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and count an honor to be one of your kids. We thank you that we are your sons and your daughters, oh God. We thank you in Jesus' name that striving has got to go in the name of Jesus. We will not strive. We don't need to prove ourselves to anyone, God. We've already got your approval. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, fear of man be broken off people in this room in the name of Jesus. We don't need the approval of man. We just simply have your approval. We don't got to work for it. We're going to live from approval in Jesus' name. And Father, finally, Lord, condemnation does not belong in the people of God. For those who are beating themselves up, God, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, Lord, remind them that they are a forgiven people. They are a loved people. Lord, we are forgiven much because of the blood of Jesus. And so I break off condemnation in the name of Jesus. Shame and guilt has to go in the name of Jesus. Yes, and we even remind the enemy right now, we have sinned, we have made mistakes, but we thank you that it's all covered under the blood of Jesus. That's not who I am anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. I am a sinner saved by grace miraculously transformed to become a child of God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Let there be a great revelation starting today, a beautiful journey of knowing who we are and whose we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.